Hello and welcome to season six of the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who we are. I'm your host, Sarah Poet. Women are healing from outdated paradigms and we're rising, but we're not doing it by fighting or further depleting ourselves anymore. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. Here, we remember our sovereignty together through stories, tools, curiosity, and community. In doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Visit sarahpoet.com today to join the Sacred Remembering Women's community. I also have many resources for you on your journey to reunite feminine and masculine, including private alchemical space holding for both individuals and couples. Schedule a consultation today at sarahpoet.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Now, let's begin. Hello, Sacred Remembering community. This is Sarah Poet, and thank you for being here for today's incredibly special episode. Incredibly special. These two women mean so much to me. I am truly introducing you to my friends, my community, and to two women who allowed me in. They allowed me, uh, you know, first as a practitioner into their path of sacred remembering, specifically as it had to do with leaving religion and then also reclaiming the feminine and masculine after that. If you don't have, you know, religious trauma per se that you think of or that you know of, go ahead and listen to this episode anyway, because there's so much wisdom in it for the collective. So we are going to alchemically weave for you quite a podcast. It's a conversation between three of us and Aaron and Audrey really cover all bases. I know that when the three of us do get together and there is, you know, a, a, a conversation, a purpose, a reason, uh, <laughs> or just a mystery, right? Cause women don't have to have a purpose to a conversation, but in this case we did. And we know and trust that there is a divine mystery that is being woven. And so there is collective medicine in this episode beyond what my brain can even comprehend. So as you listen, allow the wisdom to be what I would call a transmission deep into, you know, your brain, your cells, and, and allow it to work on you. So it is a little bit of a longer episode. So I will keep this introduction short. Um, but the, that is to say that the alchemy that we weave in this episode is gorgeous. And these two women, mean a lot to me. But really, as I think about this episode and what this means, these women that I'm privileged to call friends, they're also my why. Y'all are my why. When I think about why I'm doing what I'm doing and why I want to keep working for women waking up to the truth of who they are. It's stories like this and women like this who motivate the fuck out of me to keep going. 
And so I have incredible gratitude and love in my heart for these women. And one thing that we talk about frequently and we talk about on this episode is that there is a need for belonging. There is a need for community and belonging. And as I start to say this right now, honestly, this hits home for me too. Because when we step into the truth of who we are, oftentimes we're going to have to step out of a place that we used to call community or that we've called community for a long time. And that maybe is a church or religious community. Um, It could also be a family And so a lot of times when you do own and step into the full truth of who you are, unfortunately, you lose something. And I myself have definitely experienced this. And, you know, it's okay, because it is my soul's path. But also, there's a tenderness there. And there is a sadness and a hurt. And even though, you know, you know that it has to be that way, if you want to step into the truth of who you are, there is a sadness and a loss. And, and there's an and there's hope that so much of why I do what I do and why I think that, you know, this mission moved me to begin creating community in the past few years is because as we step into the truth of who we are, we're going to need new community. And so that's why the sacred remembering community exists so that you can step into the full truth of who you are, the new truth of who you are. And oftentimes that also includes you owning your mysticism, your magic, your special gifts. You know, Erin will talk in this episode about realizing that the music that she had as a talent and shared with the church is actually a, um, a gift of channeling. And so, you know, as we're stepping into the truth of who we are, we're going to be stepping into this feminine truth that there are other ways of wisdom. There are, you know, deeply magical skills, talents, insights um, that we have as women that we are recovering now that absolutely the planet needs. So not only is this a matter of our claiming our own personal truth, but it's also a matter of, you know, reestablishing the feminine energetic on the planet and reestablishing these different ways of knowing. So that's how big this is. So the sacred remembering community is literally built so that you have a place of belonging when you are stepping into the truth of who you are. And it's like full acceptance, full acceptance on this path. And you'll also hear in this episode how we are talking about unity. So we're reclaiming feminine, we're reclaiming masculine. It's a really amazing topic to think about how uh, religion imprinted us with a certain signature of the masculine. And now we're reclaiming that and coming into unity consciousness as women. It's some of the most powerful medicine on the planet. So I will just say in closing for this introduction that the sacred truth mastermind and mystery school is now enrolling for October, 2022. 
And it is for women who want to stand in the full truth of who they are, own, you know, the sacred, the mysticism, um, at any stage on your path. And that's really the special thing about this particular offering is that it will meet you exactly where you are. So I have had women, um, take this before where they just, they knew that they wanted to own their voice and step into the truth of who they are and embody that, but they weren't necessarily owning, you know, like a special gift, like an energy healer or something like that. Um, and then I've had other women who are really, you know, deep on their path and have already done some feminine and masculine reconciliation within themselves and with religion. And it may not even be a religious issue. And, um, you know, they just dive deeper into their personal truth along, along their path. So it will meet you wherever you are on your path. And I was also guided if you've been listening to this podcast, I was guided this week to really explicitly say that this is a mystery school. So I'm adding those words since I talked about it last week on last week's podcast episode, because it is alchemical and I am going to be teaching you energetic strategies for sovereignty, for unification. So these are ideas, but they're also, you know, um, ways that we actually hold the energetic structure of our, uh, bodies of our soul and bring the soul embodiment down into this, you know, physical body here and now. So there, there's going to be a lot of deep wisdom that will, uh, activate you into a greater embodiment of your truth, because we can practice owning our truth and our voice, but we need to also have the energetic sovereignty that pairs with that. So this is really about personal truth, stepping into your next level of personal truth and personal sovereignty. And I am right there with you. This is all coming at a time where, you know, I am practicing this too, and I'm really feeling the call to open this sacred space and to invite you in. So you can go to sarahpoet.com. It's under annual groups, the sacred truth mastermind and mystery school. And we will be beginning early October. So please book a consultation with me. This does require an interview and a conversation. If you are thinking about joining this four month alchemical container, it's almost like you know, four months feels a little too short. In some respects, it feels too long. It's like, you know, what is time anymore? What are, (laughs) well, we'll just, we'll set the intentions and we will trust. So thank you so much for being here, um, listening to this episode and engaging in this deep, deep alchemical wisdom from Audrey and Aaron. And please reach out to me if you're interested in the mastermind and mystery school. And, um, please do so soon so that we, that we can, um, all, you know, begin to (laughs) engage in this sacred alchemy that will come forward. Um, and I will just say too, that if you are new to words like alchemy transmission, you know, these things that I'm talking about and, and you're like, what does that mean exactly? Just reach out to me and have a conversation because you don't have to know what those things mean. You trust the resonance 
Okay. So if this conversation is lighting you up, if this podcast is lighting you up, if you know that there is this next level of embodiment about your personal truth that you just have to step into, you know, or you don't know what you're going to do. It's like a matter of, you know, life and, you know, soul death, then just reach out. Cause I promise you, it meets you where you are. I've run this. Uh, this is the fourth time or the fourth iteration of this sacred work. And so, um, I just, I just love it and I'm so excited about it. And, um, I look forward to, to talking with you about that. So Aaron and Audrey, thank you for being here and, uh, just so much gratitude for you stepping out into your personal truth publicly in this kind of conversation. And I know that that's a huge step and thank you for modeling that for all of the women who are listening. Y'all are incredible. Okay. So much love. Hello, Audrey and Aaron. Welcome to the sacred remembering podcast. Hello. Hello. <laughs> So we are three today. We are um, recording a conversation that as I begin to speak right now, the magnitude of what I feel is a little bit backlogged, like in my throat. I, I'm like, oh, okay, uh, this is a big deal. And that's, that's how it feels to me. And so, um, welcome and thank you for being here because, uh, you know, to, to speak stories on religious recovery and the experiences that we've had as women in our sacred remembering path that have to do with religion are a really big deal. Um, but I want to, I want to tell listeners like how we ended up here, first of all, because, you know, we're sisters, like all of us are very um, close at this point. And I am so, so grateful for you both and for that. And um, I have like a, a little love story I want to tell about both of you because you're both so special to me. <laughs> um, so when I started on this path, I met Audrey Maddox a few years ago and Audrey, you know, started coming to my offerings and then was so loyal and so um, inquisitive and just such a soul sister. And at one point, um, you know, Audrey has so many skills that are so complementary to a spiritual female entrepreneur. Um, we won't go into that, but we need feminine masculine balance. And here I am with my Virgo friend. And so <laughs> um, Audrey had all of these skills and like just such an understanding of the things that I was talking about. And I said, essentially, uh, sister, I never want to do this without you. Will you join me in whatever that means? And she said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> she said yes. And, <laughs> and so, yeah, it's like, well, you know, we'll, we'll see what that means and where this goes. And so, um, so Audrey has been uh, working with me to help build the sacred remembering community. And um, those of you who are in that community know Audrey well. And um, so that's Audrey from, from my perspective. And um, we'll hear much, much more from both of you. And then Erin Payne, um, we met probably a little over a year ago. And I was hosting community calls at that time. And you came and you were kind of quiet at first. And then um, we ended up working together for 
many months and I was able to witness your uh, sacred remembering path as you did something huge and left the Mormon church. And um, for anyone who does not know how big of a deal that is, I think by the end of this episode, um, they will have a better idea of what that means. And so, um, yeah, recently the three of us began having deeper conversations about this topic of sacred remembering and religious recovery. And as we were having these conversations, the three of us, something happened and it's that soul spark. It's that like, oh, there's something here. And I watched the two of you really light up and we began uh, talking about what to bring to the community and, you know, all of the women that really need community in this area um, because of all of the division and divisive tactics that um, are kind of, you know, out there. And so as women are remembering their own connection to source and their own connection to the feminine and the divine masculine um, coming out of religion, you know, we started to like heart storm about that. And there's been um, really gorgeous, like momentum, you know, this is um, a turning point for me in just really, you know, trust, like trusting the divine. So the fact that these two women have come into embodied breath and specifically sacred remembering, and then want to be there and want to contribute in the community lets me know that um, we're on the right track because these two beautiful women want to be here, want to be contributing and believe in it. And so that makes me believe in it more. <laughs> so thank you so much. Thank you for being you and thank you for being here. And um, I just want to say a couple of, um, you know, I have a logistical thing. I was like, this podcast might be a little bit longer and I am not going to worry about how long it is. We'll see how long it is. Like maybe it's a really tight little hour, but maybe it's not because we probably have a lot to say. Um, <laughs> and so uh, we'll just, we'll go as long as it, as it takes today. And I just wanted to add that, but <sighs> so Aaron, you want to go first and what would you add to introduce listeners? to you. So I am, um, um, I'm a mother of six. I live in Utah. I started having, I think my sacred remembering journey has been going on since I was born, but I really became awakened to my journey, um, in like about 2019. And it started out really with just this deep, deep longing to find the mother. And I really went on a journey from that point. It took me in a lot of unexpected places, but I, I just, that's the only way I can really describe the awakening. The beginning of it is just this longing for a mother and where is she? So Beautiful. We'll come back to that in a moment because that's really profound. I want to hear more about your journey with, with the mother and to discover the mother. But Audrey, introduce us to you a little bit. Well, my day job is I do coding to pull data from databases. So it's a very masculine structured thing. So sometimes when I, I step into this world, it it's so different 
you know, to be so heart centered and, and feel the energies. And so I'm hoping that this is just one more step for me to being able to really integrate those parts of myself. So thank you for having us here. Beautiful. Yeah. I love your data analysis, you know, <laughs> capacity. It's incredible. <laughs> and I also love, um, you know, how you dance with the sacred. So welcome. So let's go back to the mother. Let's just like dive in right there, because I think that that's, you know, pretty common, this quest for the feminine, like a search for the Holy mother. And so Erin, maybe you could take us back there. And I also want you, um, want to invite you to tell us about your youngest daughter, like, because she came during that time. And, um, yeah. So what was it like, like that did the Holy mother have a place in religion? Um, and maybe take us back a little bit too, as to like what your involvement was in the Mormon church. Yeah. So, uh, Mormons, they really, there isn't really a place for the mother. I mean, we, we say like, yeah, there's a heavenly mother, but we also say we don't talk about her because it's disrespectful. And we also say we don't worship her. So there was always, there's always been this like, oh, there's this mystical Mormon mother somewhere, but we can't talk about her. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I feel like that was, there was always that separation in my my growing up years as a Mormon, I was very like devoted to Jesus and to father. And like, it was always there. I always loved uh, being a part of religion. And I, I felt that very deeply in my heart. Um, yeah. So, but there was never a mother, like where, what is my relationship to father? Like, what is my relationship to Jesus? What is my relationship to what's sacred? Uh, that wasn't very well defined for me, but I, but I always felt devoted to, to God. Um, so in 20, uh, 2020, my daughter Mary was born. And during that time, I was watching this TV show called The Chosen. It's really big among Christians right now. And it's kind of like a retelling of Jesus's story. And it's, it's pretty it's kind of radical, honestly. So I was watching The Chosen and they were talking a lot about Mary Magdalene in the show. And she was a very prominent figure. And so I'm pregnant with my daughter. And uh, when she was born, like in the birthing tub, when she was born, I didn't have a name for her. And um, as she was crowning, as she was coming out of my body, it was like, Mary and I said it out loud. I just said, Mary, welcome to this world. And that was, <laughs> that was kind of at the very beginning of my journey. And that was just, that was a huge awakening for me, welcoming Mary back to this world. I have full chills as you say that. And one of the things that I most love about Erin Payne is that like she knows what she knows and then it is so. And so, you know, this journey of sacred remembering and having these, you know, intuitions and divine pings and, you know, you just knew in that moment and, and you said welcoming her back. And that's when I got 
full chills. So you're like bringing and birthing the feminine back and giving her um, such a gorgeous name. And I didn't know that it was Mary Magdalene that had pinged that. I thought it was Mother Mary that had pinged that for you. So um, I love that. Hmm. I want to go back to the topic of a masculine God and maybe Audrey, we can come, come to you and, um, you know, tell us a little bit about your experience with religion growing up and like, what was that impression of the masculine God? I mean, this is a really big topic. Um, so we can, you know, swim around with it a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. I was really thinking about this and in preparing for this podcast and there were times in my life when Christianity was my 360 degree world because I was attending church. I was going to a Christian school and then my family professed Christianity as their beliefs as well. And there were verses in the Bible that were occasionally brought up that compared God to a mother. I don't remember what they are anymore, but like, you know, 99.9% of the time it was all about the masculine side of God and the hierarchy that came along with that. And so for me growing up like that, I always felt like God was behind this curtain and that I could sort of see his outline, but I would never be able to touch him. And now I believe that that is intentional. You know, it's part of the separation consciousness that you talk a lot about, Sarah, right? We're not meant to actually be able to touch God in that paradigm because then that would bring the power back into us. And so how this translated into my experience was, you know, I wanted to believe, I wanted to be part of this community. I wanted to please the church leaders and my parents. But looking back, I would say, I didn't see a place for myself because I believed that I had wisdom, that I had intelligence, that I had a voice, but there was no place for that that was marked as okay by the church. Yeah, I remember sitting in the church pews and I was raised Methodist. And I remember sitting in the church pews and like paging through the Bible, looking for verses about the earth Mm. and women from a very young age. And I had no idea that, you know, I was the sacred rebel or, or here for this unification path. I mean, no idea. Right. But I was like, you're giving me a message of dominance and, and dominance just does not feel good. So I personally rejected the masculine God. Like that was my, um, you know, reaction to it was like, I don't want anything to do with this masculine God, because if this masculine God is just here to tell me what to do and who to obey and how to behave, and that I don't have autonomy over my own body and that you're going to pave this earth, you know, and that I'm supposed to be submissive on and on and on, then no, you know, so, so I really like by teenager, I was such a rebel and had just totally rejected the entire notion of it. Um, but in our conversations that we're preparing for this podcast, we also talked about like women losing their connection with God, because that 
domination paradigm. Like when, when God is presented as masculine through this separation consciousness, like you don't have a direct connection with this God, but you have to obey him, which is a, a dominator paradigm. Then, you know, we can, we can lose that connection, lose that faith, like in, in God, it's like the separation backfires or something. Um, so does any have, anyone want to speak to that? I was just imagining what it would have been like if you and I had been in the same congregation <laughs> and you're talking about like how you were the rebel. Like I was the good girl and I would have looked at that and been like, she's not listening. She's not obeying. And that, um, that judgment that women place on other women in the church is such a huge deal. And I was totally in that. I was like, oh, she's not obeying the rules and she's not going to make it, you know? <laughs> and that, yeah, that's where I probably would have been in with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So Erin, um, let's talk about your path in the last like year. I mean, that's what I go to as, as you say that, you know, talking about women judging other women and talking about like being the rebel. So you left the church. Can we talk about that? And... Yeah, we could talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and what that kind of brought forward. And, and I know that you received a ton of judgment, you know, and so, um, yeah, tell us maybe more about why you left and, and what that's been like for you. Yeah, so I grew up very much the good girl. And then it was probably, you know, just after COVID that I started to be more rebellious. <laughs> I, and it really came down to, we moved to a really small town. There's literally like 300 people in this town or something like that. And I'm like one of the only ones with real like professional musical training. So I came to this small town and like, there's a huge need for people with my kind of training here. And honestly, it was rejected. I felt very rejected for my musical abilities. It was this kind of like, uh, we've always been fine before. We don't really need your help. So I it immediately went to like, I didn't really belong and I didn't have I wasn't accepted for what I could do. And when that happened, I feel like it really took the legs out of me under out of underneath me. It was like the last thing standing for me that I worshiped and I expressed my devotion through my music. And then they wouldn't let me do that. So it like took me to this place of why am I here? What am I doing here? And that is when like really all the questioning started happening. And I, I felt like I had to step away and just say, you know, I don't belong in this place anymore and you don't want me here. So that, that's kind of where it all started is that taking away of my expression and my devotion, the way that I expressed my devotion. Yeah. So what I'm pulling from that is that there, there was this authenticity you know, this, this authentic talent. Yes. But the authentic way that you expressed devotion and that wasn't wanted. And it was, you know, like 
do it, do it our way, or, you know, don't do it your way. And so, um, yeah, let's talk about authenticity a little bit more in the church community, like authenticity and belonging. Yeah. So I, I stepped away and then there was a lot of backlash. It was, it was like, you know, it doesn't matter if you don't, if you're not allowed to play the organ or do the singing, like it doesn't really matter. It's all about, um, you know, they, a lot of Mormons will say like, there's the culture and then there's the gospel. And it doesn't matter if the, the culture is bad because the gospel is true. And I really came away from that. Like if the culture is bad, <laughs> maybe what we're teaching in the gospel is bad too. Like there's something missing. And there was a lot of backlash for me with that. And as I walked away and started questioning everything, it just got more and more and more. And I would be, I, I would, I would be in the, you know, the community and people wouldn't tell want to talk to me. People didn't know how to respond to me. You know, I removed my Mormon garments and that was like, that was like DEFCON 4. Oh my God, we can see her body. She took off her garments. Um, there was a, a lot of judgment around that too. Uh, I don't know if you want more about that topic, <laughs> but I just started doing, I started taking, peeling away all the layers of Mormonism and exposing all of it. And it happened very quickly and people just really didn't know what to think of me. Yeah, you were, you were vocal and you were, you know, doing outrageous things like taking off garments and letting your skin show. Like, yeah. Outrageous. You know, outrageous. <laughs> right. And yeah. So you, I just want to highlight that. And I was, you know, witnessing your path, but again, you felt the truth coming up and out of you. And you aligned to that, like you began to align to that. I mean, from the moment you stepped away from the church, yeah. I think you yeah. were really aligning to that. And then like your own divine channel. And I want to talk more about that, you know, in a moment. Um, yeah. And it really became like, what is my music for? What is yeah. it for? Was it, was I doing it for the church and, or was I doing it for myself and my own way of expressing my devotion? And them rejecting it really highlighted, like, what am I doing this for? I'm doing this for myself. And when I listened to that internal, like, spark and drive to be creative and express myself through music, that just opened up my whole world. Like, if I'm going to do that in music, I'm going to do that in everything else. I'm going to listen mm -hmm. to me and I'm going to do it for me, not anybody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. Right. And, you know, before we press record on this call, um, we were setting the intentions and setting sacred space and you brought through a song. Yeah. And so, you know, do you want to talk about that at all? Like how, how the music is um, coming through now and, and what you're discovering about that sacred gift, I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the one thing that's just held me and anchored me to my purpose in my soul is just that is this song that is just in me. And when I use it now, and when I used it on your, um, your sovereign womb ceremony last year, it's 
like the whole purpose for me using my voice has changed. And I feel it in my body differently. I feel it like I don't get as nervous when I sing. It's like, yeah, I just don't feel so different in my body. There's just, it's aligned with my heart and my heart like changes the sound. And I, when I tune in, I feel, I feel this connection to the divine in a whole new way. And it's mine. It's my connection. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And um, we've brought that through like the three of us have collaborated on a couple of calls in the sacred remembering community. And um, I just want to say that I would love to do that more because this gift of sound, I mean, like I'll be doing an energy activation and then Aaron will come in with the sound and the, the clearings are incredible. And, you know, we have these calls on Sunday for a reason, people like, you know, we're like, um, you know, not taking it back because it's not like that, but it's like, well, there's this little, you know, nod to what Sundays used to be for so many women. And now we meet, you know, in, in reverence to the sacred and to unity. Um, and we meet on Sundays and we bring our sacred gifts forward. So, (laughs) you know, I like to, um, think about this community being, um, like a, its own church or a church alternative. I don't like the word church, but you know what I mean? It just, it kind of is my sacred rebel. Like, yeah, I like that. I like it a lot. (laughs) The nod to the um, establishment, if you will. Um, Audrey, my dear, what is on your heart? I feel like I just want to open it up to you. Thinking about purpose and, you know, Erin, you were talking about your music and For me, what is on my heart right now, and if I would have to say my purpose in this moment is I want to help create a space for women who are coming out of religious experiences to be seen and to be able to tell those stories. So one of the things that, you know, we've talked about on causes, and I don't use this word to be dramatic, I promise, but I think that the messages that the church uses against women are insidious. And I think unless you have sat under a preacher who has been talking about Bible verses and, and just the undertone of the messaging through like the hierarchy, like the man is the head of the family and um, you don't know what that's like. And we've all experienced it in a way, as Aaron pointed out a little bit ago when just the three of us were talking that all women have experienced patriarchy, right? Like we live in it as much as we want to think we're reaching equality, like it's there. But I look at religion as a magnifying glass that is used to really hone the messages of the patriarchy through that spiritual lens. You know, you know, like when you're a kid, they joke about starting fires with a magnifying glass. Like that's the image I get in my head patriarchy is the light shining through this magnifying lens and it's the women who get burned up by it and yeah I know I've said this but I just if you haven't been through it and you haven't had your worth as a woman and you haven't been told God loves you but you can't stand up in the pulpit but but and it creates this weird relationship of I'm supposed to love God and he loves me but I'm still this I'm still lower on the hierarchy. There's not a true equality there. So why do you think that is? Why, what's the purpose of that? 
Big picture or specifically within the church? Or either. Either one, (laughs) right, right. Like, because, yeah, the purpose as described by the rhetoric that the, that the church, you know, would put out there would be very, very different than, than what we're saying here. So yeah, address that however you want to. Well, can I just toss this in? Yeah, go for it. Big picture. You know, you talked about how religion is this magnifying glass for patriarchy. Like I see all of the dominance and oppression of the world, the problems with equality and racism and all these things. I see this as being the heart of the issue and church is right at the heart of all of this. Like if we had a mother God and women had a voice and a place and we were equal, would we be having so many of these problems in the world? Uh, -uh. no way. Like you think of like a mama bear, she would not be letting this happen. So for me, like (laughs) that's big picture. The abuses of our current world would not be happening. And then they look at it in like the religious lens and like the effect that has on religious women under the pulpit, so to speak, specifically, it's like a micro, you know, experiment and you can see it through this lens even more with more definition. Does that make sense? So I think when we talk about religious recovery specifically, I'm thinking about recognizing the abuses of our current religious systems and how they have shaped the way women operate in the world, like all over. And, and even if you haven't been under the, the pulpit, like Audrey said, like being preached at, just like under their thumb, every woman in the world has experienced that. Because we're a nation that was founded by a religious system. (laughs) So it's everywhere. It's everywhere. We've all experienced it. And the religious lens is a perfect way to view it, I think, looking at under that microscope. Mm, Thank you for that. Yeah, Audrey, what do you think? I'm hesitant to say this because it's reported for posterity and I haven't had time to think through this, but I also promised myself I was going to speak what came up. So this is all, this is all a practice for me. I think there's a lot of fear when I'm going to say this carefully though. So I don't sound like a male bashing because I promise I'm not, but when there is not, when a person, any person is not experiencing true union, like they are not in touch with both the divine masculine and feminine in themselves. I think there's a fear that that other side, even though there's not another side, right? But that's how we look at it, is going to take over. And so I think women are incredibly, incredibly powerful and that the teachings of the churches and the Bible are to put her in a place where she willingly participates in her own oppression. And let me explain that a little bit for people who haven't been on our conversations the past couple of months. So in my church, I grew up Baptist and 
in order to be an elder, well, one, you had to be male, right? But if you had a family, that family had to look a certain way and behave, right? So for women, their male figurehead is judged by how the women behave, right? And then a woman is judged by herself on how she behaves. Like, is she obedient? Does she speak out? All of those sorts of things. And so in some ways, I think whoever created this whole thing is pretty darn smart because they got the women to be complicit complicit in their own oppressive behavior. And I also want to be clear that I'm not saying women need to take over either. The goal is true union, right? To have both parts operating equally. And I totally agree with Erin. Like, I think if the feminine were to get back into this church conversation, revolution in like the best heart-centered, miraculous way possible. Erin, you were saying something a few weeks ago about what you're seeing in Mormonism is that there are a lot of women who are beginning to ask for the mother, like a representation of the mother. But, you know, ironically, who do you have to ask for permission to bring the mother into the church? But you know, the men and the men behaving as patriarchs. And, you know, to just piggyback on what Audrey just said, um, you know, we're talking about um, (laughs) really big picture stuff, right? And, And if, you know, I were to kind of create um, like an either or, not that it's, you know, just this, but like, let's look at this old way where Audrey was talking about someone has power, someone doesn't. And if those in the church that have power are afraid that somebody else is going to have power, then there's this whole system to, you know, make the, the, the feminine really like, but the women's power, you know, subservient because there's a belief, there's just like a buy-in into a power paradigm, which I would call um, a dominator paradigm. Like someone has power, somebody doesn't. And so you're like looking for, you know, how to get it. And that's what I want to believe that we're healing right now on the planet. And so then there's power with, right? Where we're all working together. And I would also call that partnership. Um, Dr. Rianne Eisler has like a whole study about dominator and culture and partnership being, uh, the healing way out of that. And so, you know, partnership here, we talk about union. We'll talk about more, more about union before we're finished with this podcast, but, you know, moving in that direction of true partnership. Um, and it's so interesting, like all of the models that we have on the planet right now, you know, as we come into this time of unity, you know, I, I raise a teenager and, and the teenagers uh, and the young people are like questioning gender because they're like, I don't want it to be an either or anymore. Right. And then, you know, and then we have what's going on in the church. So getting back to that, um, Aaron, you were saying that like, even though there is a desire that's almost palpable at this point to reintroduce the mother, given the old set of power parameters, you know, women are assuming that they have to go through the men to ask permission to bring the mother back. And yeah. So can you speak to that? Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, there are 
a lot of like Facebook and Instagram, you know, find posts all the time of people, Mormons saying like, we believe in a heavenly mother, like we believe in equality. We believe that, you know, it's, it's, it's all okay. You know, we believe in her. Uh, but there are artists, Mormon artists writing music about her. There are people blogging about her. And the Mormon church even made a statement in the women's conference meeting last year that just said, you know, all we know about her is what's written in our book and you're not supposed to be praying to her and it's not appropriate to ask for her until we tell you it is. That's pretty much what he said. And I heard him say that and I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Right. When she's ready to come back, she comes back to the hearts of people who will receive her. She does not, she's not going to come where she isn't invited and welcomed and, and honored. And obviously the church leaders currently aren't interested. <laughs> they just, right. they shut her down. Right. And so this happens obviously through women, it happens through men and any gendered person too, right? So the feminine is, is coming back, but I love that you said it happens through the heart. Um, and so that leads us to perhaps a conversation about um, how a woman does reclaim that, that relationship. And um, we can, we can talk about what that looks like maybe on each of our paths a little bit. Um, Cause I think there are enough examples of this, like one for every woman, right? And so whoever's listening is going to have her own path. I, I would say that it honestly took me a while to get back to the heart um, because, you know, I had so much anger around the distorted gender paradigm and I had so much anger at feeling overpowered, um, you know, feeling like I had lost so many things and I had lost so many things. Like I had lost a child and all this, you know, pressured mess. And so for me, I really had like my reclamation path when it started, when I started to reclaim the, the feminine for me was a lot of trauma healing, but also, um, it wasn't fueled by anger, but it was like, it was almost a matter of life and death. Like I didn't feel like I, you know, was going to die, but I'm, I'm at a loss for words about like how important it was. It was like, I was clawing at something like I, like I had to find it. And I knew that it was going to come through my body healing. And, um, and then also giving myself a lot of personal permissions, like permission, you know, to trust my intuition more so than I was trusting my outer accomplishments, um, permission to rest. I think that's a big one, um, in the beginning, but always, and then, yeah, looking to, um, Archetypes, yes. I, I didn't really look at different feminine archetypes so much, but really my path too was like reclaiming this Christ lineage. And so having having spent so much time in the church and having felt so, you know, oppressed myself in the church and then seeing the feminine so oppressed in the church, my reclamation had so much to do with Mary Magdalene. 
so much to do with Mary Magdalene. And, and it was like in my sacred remembrance of what divine union is and then putting Mary Magdalene back, you know, next to, um, Jesus and, and being like, oh my gosh, that's what they were doing. Like he never would have had his whole resurrection if not for her. And, you know, the light, the, the breathing techniques and the light work that they did together and things like that. So that was so much a part of my sacred remembering path was like putting the holy feminine back next to the holy masculine and then reclaiming the holy masculine as well, right? Which we can circle back around to here because when we have so much like masculine God trauma, we also have to sort out, well, what is the healthy, holy masculine? Um, But let's start with the feminine and the feminine reclamation and like learning to worship differently, learning to trust differently. Yeah, that was the first... uh blog post I read from you, Sarah, was the Holy Trinity. And I, I still have it in my email. It's starred (laughs) because I remember reading that and you talking about putting the mother back, mother, father, child, that changed my world. It changed how I felt about myself. It changed about how I behaved in relationship with my husband, with my children, with our community. I mean, it just gets to the heart of it. You know, if we're, especially Mormonism, if we're all about family, why isn't the mother in the Trinity? It's a a huge deal. (laughs) Yeah. And just, I want you to continue, but like, how are you going to have a Trinity without the feminine and the child? Like, how are you going to have a Trinity that's just masculine how are, gonna, chance? how are you going to have a child without a woman? <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Like, it, you know, you're trying to usurp creation in that, in that scenario, like in that hoax. Yeah. And I, I would say I, I found, I found my feminine reclamation through my children. Like as I birthed every one of my six children, I came closer piece by piece to what it means to be a woman. And what it means to be, to have a mother, you know, every one of my kids did that for me. And I remember, you know, trying to like enforce all the rules of our religion on my children. And I was so worried for their salvation, their souls. What am I going to do if they make the wrong choice? And, you know, all these things. And it just wore me out. I was exhausted trying to make sure that my children keeping all the commandments and all the things but when i found that we put mother back in the trinity and i found that love for myself i realized i don't have to do that i don't have to make sure they keep all the rules that the church says they have to keep i don't have to worry about their salvation because there is no sin (laughs) i mean honestly that was the conclusion i came to is like there's nothing wrong with my kids there's nothing wrong with me there. You know, it's the mother and the love that she brought back the wholeness, the, it just, it, that's where it took me. There's no sin. It's you, you, they're not doing anything wrong. Audrey, what would you add? I think that's so beautiful how you phrase that, Erin. 
I would say sort of like you had said, Sarah, for me, when I first started working with you, I thought I've got to reclaim the divine feminine. I've got to reclaim the divine feminine. But I think because maybe I identify as female, like I had somehow managed to cling on to that even throughout my church, like thinking this picture doesn't seem complete. Like I said, I didn't see a space for me because there was no divine feminine in the picture, but I still clung on to it somehow. And so I came to you thinking, oh, I need to reclaim the divine feminine, where actually, no, what I needed to heal was my warped relationship to the divine masculine. And I sort of did that through a sideways door at first. And this was a few years before I started working with Sarah. I participated in mystery school where I learned about energy and chakras and meditation and, you know, all this stuff that the church would have called new age or whatever. And I started to understand why they spoke against it actually, because it, in my mind, it gives you, it empowers you in ways that I'm sure they don't like, you know, and I couldn't say God without my body would like constrict, like physically, it literally would constrict, not just in my head, but being reintroduced to those things that I'd possibly worked with in past lifetimes and going, oh, okay, this helps the world make sense to me. Like I could kind of sidle up to God along the side and not necessarily have to face him head on. And then Sarah, when I met you, and I don't remember what the first post was ever that I saw of yours, but I remember sitting in my cubicle at work and I kept going back to that post going, do I dare to take this chance? Do I dare? And so I did, obviously. And so now having worked with you a few years, like I would say it almost feels like I'm okay with the concept of the divine feminine, but it's more like the feminine aspects of me that I'm still working on really loving and accepting about myself. Hmm. Can you say more about that? So the, so the divine feminine isn't, you know, only outside of yourself. It, you're, you're doing the, the inner work, the inner alchemy. And I'm curious to ask about that relationship with the, the divine, holy masculine now, like where is your inner feminine in relation to that now? I am still very much in process on that to be completely authentic. Like I want it to be different than what it is. And I know you've spoken lately about if you have to imagine what you want it to be and start from there. And some days I think that's where I am, like, because I internalize things very much. And I know not everybody does that, but like, I could quote scripture for you if you wanted me to, please don't ask, but I could, (laughs) right? Because I grew up 360 Christianity and like really internalized those things. And so like the other day I was thinking about, okay, what do I want God to be? And in this case, I'm meaning like mother, father, God, not just the divine masculine, but I realized in the way that I was talking about it in my own head that it's still out here. Yeah. Like it still tends to be external sometimes. And when I catch that, I'm like, okay, let's bring that in here. And for those of you who can't see, I'm putting my hand over my heart. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're, you're putting yourself back in the Trinity, 
Mm-hmm. Right. And then that's a process to say, I am divine. I am divine. And, and this holiness lives in me and I express it in everything that I do authentically. Like you're putting yourself back in the Trinity. And that's, that's like, that's a process. That's hard. (laughs) It takes time. It's a process. It's also incredibly, you know, rebellious when this kind of um, indoctrinization Sometimes I don't know if I add an extra syllable into that word or if I said it correctly. That's how I'm feeling in this moment. I don't know, but the the doctrine. Um, <laughs> and and so it's rebellious to say, actually, I am the child of God. That was a really big um, homecoming for me in the sacred remembering path to, you know, Yes, like always reclaiming feminine, masculine, always doing the inner inner alchemy, but the Trinity brings it home to the heart and collapses polarity, really, or like integrates polarity. So it's not just feminine or masculine. And yes, we you know work with either of those, but the the path is to unity. And so you know bringing the Trinity back and then putting myself as the child of God and really allowing myself to sit in that. And I think this was, you know, sometime about a year ago, like just allowing myself to be, to be in that Trinity, you know, with whatever this Holy mother, whatever this Holy father is and allowing myself to sit in that for like weeks or months and, um, you know, integrating like a preciousness I mean, if God were your parents <laughs> or like Mary Magdalene and Jesus were your parents, right? You would be like cherished. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to say when I was talking about my parenting, like, and worrying about them sinning. Like, even if let's say your kid did something wrong, it wouldn't matter. They're still your kid. Like there's this like connection that yeah. that's why I say I, it, it kind of puts sin out of my radar because my kid's my kid. And that's how I think God feels about us. You're my kid. Right. Right. <laughs> like you wouldn't be cast out yeah. if you were a sinner. And so you don't have to beg for your salvation. You don't have to beg for love. Audrey, I'm wondering if you want to talk about, um, you know, that like rescue dynamic that you had recently brought up. Yeah, I think when you are talking about that whole sin story that Aaron has brought up, it's again, we're not, our listeners aren't going to be able to see, but like I had this mental image of, you know, imagine like grabbing somebody by the top of the hair, right? And pulling up and then cutting them off at the knees. And I think that's what the sin salvation story does, right? Is God loved you so much. Okay. This part of the story is good, right? God loved you so much that he's had to send his son to die for you because of sin, right? So it's the pulling up and the cutting off at the knees there. And again, I think if you're somebody who internalizes things or you hear that enough, like that can mess with your mind. Like there's always that God loves you, but or God loves you, and there's this other side of it. Yeah, well, I think that's the hook. You yeah. know, I think that's the hook. And I know that, you know, we want to stay in the heart. And 
And sometimes I'm just like, and I want to say it really blatantly that that's purposeful. It's like, that's the, you know, um, a way to control human behavior is to say like, you have to perform for God's love. And it also leads you to question which parts of you are good and which parts of you are not. Yeah. So you have to like have this inner game going on. Like, oh, is this a good thing? A part of me? Is this a good part of me? Or is this the bad part of me? And there's so much confusion when you get into that paradigm, like you're good, but you're bad. Like, well, which part? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And I, I said I could quote scripture. There was a verse that they, they had us learn. The heart is deceitful above all and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Okay. Uh, right? It's so, so mad. You, that's something that first came up. Sorry about excited. <laughs> Sarah, like working with you. <laughs> was because like, but I've been taught not to trust my heart. I can't trust my heart. It's evil. It's going to lead me astray. It's going to lead me to sin. Or I can't be sexual. Like you can't have any oh. kind of sexuality that goes there too. I mean, that's a whole podcast. And that's a whole podcast. <laughs> which part of me is good and which part is bad and which voice do I listen to? And it, it's so confusing. Yeah. Yeah. That the externalizing of um, your truth, really. Like, well, yeah. If, and then yeah. You, end, you end up outsourcing it. Right right? Okay. I better listen to the prophet. I better listen to the preacher. I better listen to the man. Yeah. Right. Um, hmm. So I want to talk a little bit more about direct to source connection. Um, it's something, you know, we talk about a lot and I, the, the sacred remembering space is all about sovereignty and source connection. And so, um, and the way, like I see it even in energetic architecture, but, you know, on this path of remembering and reclaiming to also say, you know what, I have a direct connection to source is that's also radical, right? So I don't have to go through the external permissions of the church or of the husband or of the man or the father, you know, I I don't have to do this. I have a direct line to source. And even as I say that, and I practice this every single day, like, even as I say that there's still some kind of programming at play in me enough that that makes me feel like a rebel. And I'm like, that is so crazy because it's the fucking truth you know, but like to, to reclaim all parts of yourself and bring it back into this direct channel, like direct source channel where, you know, it's not just that you're loved by this external God. It's like, actually I originate directly from source. I originate directly from source connection and, you know, I can resurrect my own divine channel to that source connection. And so there is no picking me up and cutting me off the knees, right? Because I've experienced that enough. It's like, no, 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 nobody has the right to do that. I'm coming back to my own um, divine source connection. And to me, um, that is the space of the unified God of the Trinity. Um, You don't get that. You don't get that in in church. Jesus, I think, taught this when he taught people to say, I am. Yeah. I mean, and and 
it infuriated the church leaders when he would say, I am the son of God, but we don't, we don't. And I think whenever you say that it infuriates people <laughs> claiming that I am directly connected and I don't need anyone else's help because I'm, I'm right there with you, with, you know, with God. Right. Right. And it unifies in my own heart. Like Audrey was saying and quoting that verse, that's like totally meant to have people mistrust their own hearts. And that's, that's where we know God as the, I am as the unified presence. And, um, and I would, I also feel to say that, you know, in heartland and in, in the things that, I talk about, we're also connecting to the heart of the earth, right? Because this is where I believe our souls chose to inhabit. Like we're here as humans right now. Our souls have been other places too, but you know, our body has a, a direct connection to the heart of the planet, which is actually a very high vibe place, <laughs> right? So we want to, um, like just, you know, own, I'll say that, that divine connection to the heart of the earth and heart of self and heart of source. And so, you know, we have this vertical channel. We have a vertical channel of, of our energy. We could say of our aura. And I believe that the purpose of, you know, why we're here at this time and uh, what we're doing in the sacred remembrance and holy reclamation is to actually um, resurrect that architecture of that divine connection to the heart of from our hearts to the heart of the earth and the heart of source so that we have that full current, that fully restored, you know, source connection, wisdom connection, um, sacred feminine and masculine. It's like, we ask all these questions about what are the feminine and the masculine and how do we heal the God trauma and how do we find the feminine again? And like, we're asking all of that on the path and, you know, in this central channel, in this um, reconnected, resurrected, personal, like I'm saying the word resurrected over and over again on purpose, like it's the personal resurrection, right? And in that space is unity. Like we're, you know, we're integrating all the time, integrating these pieces to get back to unity and unity in our heart. And I, I think that was the reason that the music, you know, when my music was rejected, that was such a big deal to me. And so many people were like, this isn't a big deal. What's your problem? Because that was so personal to me. And it was such a personal part of me reclaiming my divinity and my devotion and my expression of that devotion. That's why it was so, it was such a pull to it. Like, this is how I commune with God. God in me and God in heaven. You cannot take this away from me. Audrey, what are you thinking about? I think I experience God's presence most when I'm praying the five-step affirmative prayer, which I've shared with the group and one of the first steps is that you align yourself with God. Like it's called unification, like recognizing that you are God, that you have that connection to God. 
and nothing changes my energy like that praying like that does like so it's not a will you please help me blah 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 like I am claiming I am calling in and expressing gratitude for what is already here and it's very powerful and then the other thing I just did this morning was there is a local labyrinth that every time I go it's an experience and for various reasons it had been a couple of months and today like I walked over the hill and I saw it and I said I missed you and it was just um, I do it with a friend and he said today of all days, he's like, you know, I don't have a problem connecting to the male side of God, but he's like, I feel the mother here. And I just thought it was so perfect, you know, that I met with him and he said that. And now today we're recording this and later today we're recording this podcast. Isn't a labyrinth a womb? I don't know. It, Aaron's nodding, so we'll go with that. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I think you're walk- I think he's walking through a womb when he's like walking that. I don't know. That's how it seems to me. Like walking into the heart, into the heart, into the heart. And, you know, we love to trace the soul alchemy and the alchemy in a conversation. And just before that, you were talking about creation and you were saying like, when I claim the God essence and I thank God for what is already coming toward me, you know, you're in, you're in a creation consciousness. Right. And so to me, that's like when the, when the womb the feminine is clear and clear of distortion. And then, you know, the seed of consciousness, the masculine is clear and clear of distortion. That's where creation happens. Like that's the Holy Trinity, right? Clear, clear creation. And so the more we can bring that the clarity of these, you know, original divine essences, like free of distortion, the more we can bring that through us, the more we are walking as, um, as the creators. Oh, I love that. Cause it's, I'm thinking about when women stand in their sacredness, in their sovereignty, the effect that that has on all the people around them and I'm saying, from my own experience, being in a community where I've done this and seeing how people react, it's, you can't, I just think you can't, can't quantify the effect that has on people around you and, and, and that they start feeling something. They start coming back to their heart. It's, and then I just had this happen to me again this morning. I was talking to somebody in the church who, who heard my story and the abuses happening around just my participation and how I left. He heard this story from my own lips and he wept. And it was so moving to me. Like he, he hears me. He sees this happening. He knows it's wrong. He, and he wept. Like, this is so powerful, standing in your truth, standing in your sovereignty, standing in your sacredness is so earth-shattering, life-changing for anyone. Yeah, I would love to hear you talk a little bit more about that. And I'm, I'm just 
feeling the audience right now. And, you know, for so long, the, the reclamation of the feminine or the reclamation for women or women's empowerment and feminism had so much to do with fighting. And I say it in the beginning of the podcast, like we are not doing this by fighting anymore. We're doing it by standing in the truth of who we are. Well, this is exactly what I mean. Like we're standing in the truth of who we are in the unified source connection. And then what you're describing, Erin, is that like the world is organizing around you in a way, not that everyone in your world is particularly happy with you. Um, <laughs> but you know, they're there's, not, <laughs> there's an effect, right. Right. Because there's been like a lot of judgment and a lot of, um, yeah, like you're breaking the mold. You're, you're the sacred rebel. You're going first in your community. And so I would, if there's anything more to say about that energetic reorganizing where you're in the, I am, and you're just claiming like, actually, God loves me. Actually, I don't need to go to the church to get permission to, you know, be loved. Actually, I'm just over here and living this very sacred life in this direct source connection. And it's pissing, you know, these other people off, but like, you're actually really, really good in that. And so what do you notice about, I guess I'm asking particularly about feminine masculine energetics or like, you know, male, female energetics and how they're reorganizing um, around you? Like, what are some of the activations that, that you're noticing? Well, first of all, I notice fear. You know, a lot of people react in fear around a woman who stands in her sovereign truth, especially men, because they feel like you're taking something away from them. They feel like they're losing if you stand up. And I, I know they don't conscious, I think they don't consciously recognize that, that that's so threatening that this woman is standing up in her power and I like what you say about not fighting because it you have to be I've, I've found that I have to be really careful about how I stand up it can't be in that angry you know ang way even though there's a lot to be angry about it has to just be like I said on the phone this morning to a gentleman in the church I said I will not do that anymore this particular thing that he asked me to do. I will not do that anymore. And this is why. And if you would like to change this and this about what your request, I could be there in integrity. And it was just, it was very, it was that simple. Is it? So it's a lot of people react in fear when you're standing in integrity. Other people react like in awe. <laughs> like I'm thinking of a particular moment. I was in, um, a community theater production and I'm in the dressing room and there were all these women talking about standing in their truth. And I was like, this is funny. They're all talking about standing in truth. And there was like a 10 or 12 year old girl in the room. And she was saying like, well, if I really stood for what was true, I would break all the rules. That's what she said. I would break all the rules if I stood for what was true in my heart. And I was like, what did she just say? <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, you better do that then. You better be true and break all the rules. <laughs> so they're, they're, and she looked at me in awe. Like, did she just say that? Did she give me permission to break all the rules? Like, so yeah. there's fear, there's like awe. And then there's people who are just like, 
it goes over their heads like they have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) those are those are the kind of reactions that I've seen and um I don't want to speak for you at all but I know that you've also shared stories about um other women being activated and and kind of like coming forward like oh I'm I'm watching Aaron do this and they're inspired and and they want it too I would say I imagine, you know, and so there's, there's a spark in them. And then there's like, how's she doing that? Yeah, I can't think of like any particular example right this second, but there's definitely a lot of that going on, you know, with my, my sweet, sweet sister-in-law who lives next door to me, we kind of have been walking this path together and supporting each other. And it's activated my mother, you know, she lives down the street from me. She, she was, she was like torn. I mean, she had to like, she loved me. She's my mother. She loves me. And then she's watching me do this and she's looking at the church differently. So it's like pulling her along too. And it's, um, I think most profoundly it's been happening with my daughters and my sister, my youngest sister, as they've watched me on this path. And my youngest sister particularly because she's still in the church and she sees what's going on. And then she sees me and she's like, Oh, what do I choose? Like, she's like watching me go through this. And she, when she's around me, she feels the light. She feels the love. She feels the clarity and um, trying to figure out, you know, now where does she stand? You know, so it's fun to watch it trickle down. And then at the same time, watching how other women go silent and give me the silent treatment and like, don't want to talk to me or they, you know, have their little groups and they don't invite me. And like, there's, yeah, all kinds of responses. A lot of girls are afraid around me. I I feel it when I'm in the room, I feel like, Oh, she's here. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's quite the path that you're living. I mean, I, I honor it so much. Is, is this a good place for the pants story? <laughs> There's always a good time and place for the pants story, please. Um, yeah, this is funny because it's on our little, it was on our notes before we were, when we were talking about this, there's a little bubble on Sarah's paper that said the pants story. So that's, <laughs> that's its new name. <laughs> yeah, I, um, it was a couple of years ago, two years ago, maybe um, it was winter. And my sister, my youngest sister asked me to play the piano for her at church. She was singing. She wanted an accompanist. And she's like, Erin, there's no one to do this, but you, like, who else am I going to ask? And so I said, yes, because it's her. And I wanted to support her. Um, But it was winter and it was so cold outside. And there's this expectation in the Mormon culture that women wear skirts to church. Women wear dresses. There's a certain dress code. You have to cover your garments. You can't show your shoulders or your legs. And like, there's a dress code. And I was like, there's no way I'm wearing a dress. It is so cold outside. <laughs> I just didn't feel like it. So I wore pants and I still remember the feeling one walking back into the chapel that I hadn't been in for a year and have feeling all the eyes on me. And then two, I was wearing pants <laughs> and I walked up to the stand, you know, to play the piano. So I'm at the front of the room, like she hasn't been here and she's wearing pants. Um, it was kind of, you know, I was in my nervous system that day. It was very nerve wracking for me, but at the same time, it was a very beautiful experience to just 
stand in my truth and play that piano. And I played it better than I ever have played it in, in, you know, since I've been in that building. And it was very obvious that the spirit that there, that what the Mormons would call the spirit was there. It was a moving experience. Like, but the pants girl was doing it. How is this possible? <laughs> that is, you know, one of those moments, like every time we decide to live in our truth and stand in our truth, we send a little bit of a ripple or a big ripple out. And sometimes that ripple can, you know, humans react to that ripple by judging audibly or saying something to you or not inviting you to an event or something like that. And yet the energetic ripples are so important. It's why we're here. It's why we're putting these stories, you know, to the voice. It's why I have the podcast to begin with. It's because, you know, every time there's a a sacred remembrance, every time there's an activation inside of any of us and inside of women, like something sparks and something happens and something changes on the planet. And, um, and we walk, you know, more toward the, the awakening and the reunification. Something you just said really sparked um, for me, you said, or stood out to me, you said, I was in my nervous system that day that you went into the church in your pants. I was in my nervous system that day. And so, you know, what that means is like, I was doing something brave, but I was in a fight or flight, you know, while I was doing it. And the three of us have been talking about that. And I've been really, um, you know, moved by the sacred recently in, um, in this very topic. And I think Audrey, when we met was about um, sacred truth. I mean, I was probably, I think I was talking about the sacred truth mastermind, like, you know, I think it was like back in 2019 or something. And so we were talking about sacred truth and, and the three of us have been talking about like what happens in us as women, when we stand up to do something bold or brave or speak a truth or, you know, go against some kind of establishment or, um, we talked a lot recently too, about wanting belonging and like leaving a community that, that feels judgmental or maybe a little harsh, but like still you were a part of it. Right. And so you're making these bold moves. And when you're doing that alone, there's so much nervous system response. And so, um, again, I don't want to speak for either of you, but I think it's like, I'm, I'm speaking to the energy, um, and speaking it out into the world, you know, for those ripples that as we were preparing for this, or as the date was getting closer, there were some nervous system responses because this is a big deal for, for you to come onto this. And, and it was like, we realized where I had this realization, you know, about a week ago, when we feel alone in that bravery or in that need to be brave, we're going to feel much more of that nervous system response, like much more of that fight or flight. And when we come together as women and create safe spaces, and I recently, um, 
told a big story on someone else's podcast. It was um, Dana Stovern and it was the magic of somatic money is her podcast. And it was episode 14. And, and we went really, really deep. And I told truths on that podcast that I hadn't spoken publicly like that before. And it was because Dana and I were doing it together and we were doing it in sacred space. Like we opened sacred space before that conversation. And then what transpired there, you know, if you listen to that podcast, my voice was clear. I was not in my nervous system. And the two of you today, I do not hear you or see you being in your nervous system, you know, as, as I'm looking at you and as I'm talking to you and like, you know, I don't even know if that came up today. You can, you can speak to that, but so my point being, um, there, there are, you know, there are more truths to tell. There's more truths to step into for each one of us. And it becomes less scary when we do it together and we do it in community. And so that's what the sacred remembering community is about. Like whether it's a, you know, religious trauma truth, or whether it's like a desire, heart's desire truth, whether it's a sexual truth, you know, whether it's a truth about your family, like wanting to leave your marriage, you know, any truth at all, like we're holding space in community for the women that are coming there to like have a space to, to have that truth. Because so often, you know, you're the one who is leaving the religion or the one who is stepping up and saying, I don't agree with my family or the one who's like, actually, I'm not going to keep the secret just to, just to keep things under wraps, you know? And so, um, yeah, so I guess we are a a collective of sacred rebels over there. (laughs) Yeah. And about nervous system response, like it's taken me, you know, the beginning since when I started work with working with you, Sarah, and the evolution of my nervous system <laughs> over time has been a huge deal. And I think women in the church especially ignore this, and especially Mormon women, we ignore the signals that our body is are is giving us. So, you know, if you feel tired, if you feel depleted, if you feel anxious if you feel stuck if you feel like I'm, I'm imagining all the mormon women that i know like their body your body is talking and it's not just like there's something wrong with your body it's not there's nothing wrong with your body it's talking it's telling you something for a reason and especially women like we need to learn what that means, what that signal is, and how do we deal with it? Because my health has improved this year faster than any other point in time in my life. I feel so much more energy. I feel like myself. I feel good in my body. And I feel good about expressing myself in my body. Like those, that's a huge signal that something's wrong if your body isn't feeling good. Yeah. You're aligning to the truth of who you are and you're aligning to your source connection that brings in, let's say light, right? 
when we hold trauma in our body, we're holding something down. We're holding, like we're repressing, you know, a truth or something that happened. Yeah. So like, if it doesn't feel good, there's, there's a liberation that's being asked for. I love it that you brought that up. Yeah, absolutely. The more of your own source connection that you establish, the more literal light in your cells. And the, and the easier it is to, to speak your truth too. Yes. Like when I wore the pants to church and I was totally in my nervous system, but I, you know, I braved my way through it. Totally. Vers- versus like me talking on the phone this morning to a church leader and being like, no. And, and then there was no, there was no anxiety in that. It was just, it was just a clear no. And, and then the ripple that I started was more effective because it right. was, it was more truthful. Beautiful point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And right. I think that leads into something that I, I wanted to add to is something I've observed about myself is again, full authenticity. I can get into let's rail against the church and everything it did to me. Right. And I didn't want to do that on a pot on this podcast. And hopefully I didn't, I came in with the attention to stay in my heart, but if you want to put it, you know, kind of bluntly, the church still has me when I rail against it. And again, something outside of me is getting my energy. So if you can catch that with love and love yourself and go, oops, I'm doing it again. And that's okay. Let's go back and realign to the truth and to the true sacred and, and just keep doing that. You just summed up how to collapse all polarity and come back into union. Thank you, Audrey. I think we're done here. (laughs) When I rail against something, I create my own separation and my own trauma, right? When I come back to love, I collapse that polarity. And you really, you come back to that mother God energy, like there is no, where she teaches, there's no sin. I mean, that, that's what, for me, that's what it comes back to. When you fight, you're, they have you. But when you are in your heart, you are literally spreading the love of the mother mm. everywhere, everywhere. Mm. And that power is so powerful. No one can deny it when they experience it. And if they experience a ripple that comes from your heart like that, it's like, what just happened? Wow. <laughs> like, that's the mother. That's her. Okay. <laughs> mm. That's really inspiring. And I want to share something that I don't have fully fleshed out yet, but, but it wants to be shared is that, um, you know, I recently went through a really big healing. I was actually, after I told that story on that podcast, went through a really big healing, pretty much what Audrey just summed up. It was like, oh, when I'm angry at this, or when I'm, you know, holding the trauma, I'm causing more of my own suffering. And so I started to look at the stories that I was still telling about like certain aspects of the masculine. And then I started to ask myself, well, what is the God essence of the masculine as it is in me, as it is a part of creation, as it is this holy masculine and what I felt yes, in my heart, because it all goes back to the heart was this heart of the masculine, this peacefulness. So 
I really had this awareness of, you know, so much of, of, I'll just speak personally, like my personal projection of the masculine was like, I expected it to be, you know, like a warrior archetype and a fighter for things. And, you know, it, it had this kind of, um, yeah, just warrior spirit. Like that's what I was projecting onto the masculine itself, which was actually causing, you know, a distortion in me because I was expecting to see the masculine that way. Um, like I was expecting to see the masculine stand up for things. Like I really wanted to see the masculine stand up for things. And this is all kind of oversimplified. As I said, I haven't fleshed it out yet, but I'm working on this. Like, you know, we project this warrior onto the masculine, but I think the masculine too is like very, very peaceful. You know, like Jesus did not walk around like a warrior. He walked around without shoes on talking about love in the heart you know, and unified love in the heart. And, you know, there's like no need for the fighter essence. And so I think that whole fighter essence and this, you know, projection that we want men to be strong and we want men to like take care of all the things is, you know, a projection actually through the dominator lens. Yeah. And yeah. And when there's no mother in the Trinity, like think about how that affects the men. And at least in in Mormonism, you know, there's so much expectation, so much responsibility placed on their shoulders, on the bishop, on the, you know, all the men leading. It's like, that's too much for them. Like, how could you, I, I just, we're asking too much from them, you know, but when a woman stands in her truth and whole, and stands connected to the divine mother, she holds this space for love and acceptance of, of everyone. And Honestly, that births a new masculinity. It brings a new lens to masculinity. And it, it, it's not threatening. I just like it, having the feminine in the church is not a threat. It is, it will soften you and bring you back home. It's not a threat. So there's magic happening. I want to name it. There's always magic happening when women get together in these sacred spaces. So the other day, I knew that my friend had given birth to a little boy. And I was one of the first ones to know because I actually felt it. And I uh, reached out to her and um, she was like, oh my gosh, you felt it. And yes, he's here. And on that day, Aaron was sending a message about birthing the masculine. And she was saying, I'm, I keep contemplating this, this birthing the masculine piece. And so now you're talking about it here. And during the time that we're recording this, my friend who had the baby is having her naming ceremony for the baby during this call recording. And so I couldn't go to it um, because I was like, no, I'm not changing the time for this conversation. It's set and it needs to happen and it needs to come through. And she said, well, it's a parallel process. You know, essentially, this is what she said. I'm paraphrasing. She said, because I'll be over here talking about his name. And, you know, essentially, this is the new masculine. And on the day that he was born, we had so many messages back and forth. And it was actually like, I was awoken at like three in the morning and, you know, it's five in the morning or so. And, and I'm like feeling into them and, and texting her. And, and this is exactly what we were talking about. Like the new frequencies 
of the masculine um, that are coming to earth, literally birthing, <laughs> literally being birthed. Um, you know, I have a new nephew this year. And so, yes, new templates of the masculine and new templates of the masculine without distortion. And I think, you know, that's what I'm kind of pulling out there from what we just said is like, if we can come, you know, to this gender space, you know, with the men, um, in our sovereignty and in our heart, in the space of not fighting, it calls forward the masculine in the space of the heart. And then, you know, a, a new masculine is birthed on the planet. And here I'm having realization about like, well, the masculine's peace. So how is my life different? And I'll just pose this question for women listening. Like, how is my life different if I look at the masculine in the world through a lens of things like he might hurt me or he might not listen to me or, you know, he's going to take from me versus if I look at the masculine, you know, through my eyes, through my life, through my heart, and I say, I know I'm sovereign and God connected. And I have love for the masculine and I trust that the masculine can be peaceful. So I talk about this a lot, this like projection, right? Like how we orient toward the masculine and what the definition of the masculine is that we orient toward. That is what we create more of. surprising that we're finishing up here and we're ending on the masculine (laughs) yeah that's funny reclaiming the feminine and then you end on the masculine it changes it it revolutionizes everything Hmm. yeah and it's you know you said this Erin it's a long path it's um I'll say not the easiest, you know, like we're discovering one piece at a time of, you know, okay, how to shed this old programming, like, you know, whether it was religion or patriarchy, how to shed this old programming and come back into the truth that, you know, I am of God. I am of this Trinity. I am worthy. I don't have anything to repent for. Um, I have to be in integrity. Like, yeah, like I'm going to be in integrity. I'm going to be a good person. Right. But, but I can know God directly and And I can be sovereign. Sorry. I can be sovereign (laughs) and I can be in community. Like I can be sovereign and be loved, right? Like I don't have to distort in order to be loved and accepted. Thank you, Erin, for letting me finish that. Well, and I am God. I am sacred. There's a piece of the sacred in me and expressed through me. And when I'm in integrity, it comes through. Yeah. And then when it comes through in community with other people doing that magic, so much magic. (laughs) Yeah. So much magic. I want to begin to wrap up here and I just want to thank you both for weaving magic and um, for being sisters in the space and Yeah, I feel like something huge just happened, like the three of us right here in the sacred remembering, you know, 
uh, podcast portal. Um, and these, these two beautiful women are so present in the sacred remembering community. And so, um, yeah, maybe listeners will decide to come join us. It's very authentic over there. It's very authentic. Just like this. It's like, it's real. Like what you see is what you get. And it's so, so kind. Like I'll say, it's so kind when you come to a space where women are in, in, in integrity like this. And I live around all of my family, a lot of women, and I have never experienced this kind of unity in my family and in my relationships that I've experienced in this sacred remembering community. And it really made me like, it changed how I feel about women. It changed, mm. you know, how I want to approach other women. And I, I don't want to be competitive. I don't want to be fighting with you. I don't, you know, we don't have to fight for power or resources or, you know, energy. Like I don't want any of that anymore. No more distortion mm -hmm. in female relationships. Like, we are sisters. That's the only energy that I want coming out of my heart. Hmm. Thank you so much for, for voicing all of that. Yeah. I've never seen like in, in any of the women's groups that I've held over the last few years and definitely not in this community, I've never seen like the competition or that stereotypical, um, you know, woman against woman energy. Like, you know, it really is possible to not have that exist. <laughs> Yeah. And ripping off that, one of my favorite things about the community is seeing things in you all that I would like to foster in myself. And I don't mean that from an unhealthy way, but it's like, if that woman can do it, then I can do it. Or there's somebody I won't mention by name. And I've told her this a couple of times in the Mighty Networks group, but I love her connection to God. It is so loving. And when she shares her processes, I'm like, Yes. Thank you for modeling that almost like child parent relationship with and, mother, uh, father, God. And I'll say about you, Audrey, like when you shared on our last call, all of your vulnerability, I mean, the tears, the, that kind of allowed me to like see you in a whole different way. And there was, I have felt, I felt so much love for you in that moment. And it was like, this is how we're supposed to feel about each other. You know, we're supposed yeah. to be able to show our whole heart and come together and, and, and hold that space and hold each other. Like, that's what this is supposed to be. This is what divine mother brings and not distorted masculine brings mm -hmm. love and peace. So much love and peace. Mm. Yes. I've said before, to me, community is there to remind you of who you are when you forget in the highest way possible. Mm. Beautiful. <laughs> There's something else that wants to be spoken because I feel like we're covering like all bases in this uh, <laughs> podcast recording. And so there's an energetic that I want to put in there that, um, you know, for me, integrity over the past uh, few years, like the past two, especially has been like, what do new models of regenerative feminine finance look like? And so this community is set up as a membership um, because I do make 
all of my living through, you know, my business embodied breath. And, um, I feel that something will change, you know, in, in the course of like the evolution of sacred remembering in the community. But it was interesting because as Audrey and I were like building the actual infrastructure, like these online places, um, oh, interesting. It's kind of, this is airing kind of at the year anniversary, Audrey, I'm just realizing that in this moment. Um, so as we were doing that a year ago and like opening up the membership for the first time, there wasn't like a, a push. There wasn't like sell it. Right. It was, you know, spirit was always like open it and trust, open it and be in integrity and trust. And so, um, it's really beautiful that like the, the rate of growth hasn't been excessive. You know, we've been able to really get to know one another and new women come in and um, yeah, we'll see. It's exciting to see where it goes, but there's, there's all of this new energy around, you know, women's collaboration. And then, you know, I'm kind of intuiting and downloading all this stuff all the time about like sovereign womb and clean masculine energy and what you can create. And so it's like, what are the new paradigms of women and finance? And, and even I have a big dream of like, who knows in linear time, how long it'll take, but like a women's micro lending, you know, program. So that as women are standing in the truth of who they are, which is what this is all about, and, you know, Aaron is like, oh, I used to devote my music ability to the church. And now I discovered that I can just channel the divine feminine when I open my mouth. I'm just make. I'm kind of like speaking for you and making this up as an example, you know, like maybe Aaron wants to go into business for herself. And we haven't talked about that, but again, I'm just kind of riffing in excitement about things that I dream about. And it's like, well, how can sacred remembering support Aaron? And right now, you know, sacred remembering in the community can support Aaron and anyone else stepping into their gifts by like, we want to hear it. We want to experience it. We want to give you feedback. We want to like celebrate it. We want to celebrate like you becoming you like Aaron just said about Audrey, like showing all the emotions, like knowing that you're accepted here. Um, and then down the road, I want to have like, how can we help you invest in building a viable business, you know, where you get to stand in the full truth of who you are and receive prosperity. So I'm, I'm naming that into this space that that's like, you know, what really, really wants to happen, um, as this, as this all grows. And I trust that it absolutely will continue. And I see actually in my intuition right now, I'm seeing, when we have the Trinity, and if you imagine three circles overlapping just slightly, that is a regenerative um, geometry. It's a regenerative, it goes outward, right? Like there's no end to it. So it will multiply and multiply and multiply and multiply. And that's regenerative energetics. And so, you know, that's the, the energetic that, um, that the space will, will grow with. Um, wow. I didn't expect to say that. It's, it's so amazing that reclaiming the divine mother would have so many, you know, reclaiming the divine mother and then like relearning what divine masculine feels like through that reclamation would have, so would touch so many parts of our lives, relationships, money, 
self. And like, I think about that. I'm going through this money transformation too. I just finished your money class and I'm, I, I drew a card the other day that said, you're, you know, I was talking about my relationship to the masculine and it said in the, in the card that your relationship to money is healing. <laughs> it's like, so many things happen. Yeah. And then, and then you think about it on a huge global scale, like all of these problems, divine mother, she needs to be here to help with yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the term that just flashed through my mind was divine economics. Yes. Oh, chills. <laughs> yes. Amazing. There's no limit to what can be birthed. There's no limit to what can be birthed through the holy womb of the Holy Mother. Absolutely. And I, I grew up with uh, women that it wasn't acceptable for women to be working and I just actually got a job the other day. It, it kind of dropped into my lap and my spirit said, you need to do this. And I was like, what? Women aren't supposed to do that. <laughs> but my husband was like very supportive of me and we worked out you know, how to do it with the kids and all these things. And it's putting me back in a workplace, this process that I'm like, I, that's not, I didn't expect that, but resources are very important to bringing about, you know, furthering this path for the divine feminine. So yeah, resources, yeah. money has everything to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I love, we didn't expect to go any of these places that we just went in like the last <laughs> half hour. I love it. I love it. Well, let's begin to, um, yeah, wrap up any, any final thoughts. I think we covered so many that like, I pretty much feel complete, but we'll just pause and. I think we're complete with this, but if I can invite us back, I think we could have a whole podcast on women's bodies and patriarchy. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah, could talk a lot about you. that, but. <laughs> yeah. You can save your garment story for that podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's a big story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm going to say this, but I'm actually kind of terrified to say it. Um, may I channel a divine mother song for you? Yes. And as soon as you breathed in and were about to say something, the Rose Collective came and I literally saw a rose over top of your little Zoom window. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. Just gonna get settled in here. Hey, I love
Thank you, Aaron. So brave, so beautiful. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for everyone who is listening. And thank you, Aaron and Audrey, for the, the words and the activation and the vibration that you helped to uh, regeneratively put into the world today. So sending blessings out, ripples out into the collective as people are listening. They're blowing you kisses. You can't see it, but they're blowing you kisses. <laughs> thank you for being here, friends. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. We love to hear from you and your reviews help and they matter. Remember, you are not alone on this sacred remembering path and women are rising now and we're doing it together. You can join the sacred remembering community at sarahpoet.com and also visit there for more tools and inspiration and also to book work with me privately. Here's to your sacred remembering path. Much love and we'll talk to you next time.